When you're hiring, it feels amazing to finally close out a job search. But what if you could get rid of the search and just match? You can with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. This is the Sooner Sports Podcast. Your all-access pass to Sooner Sports. The Sooner Sports Podcast is presented by Allstate. Are you in good hands? And by Riverwind Resort. Riverwind Resort, the place to be. Now, here's your host, Chris Plank. All right, welcome into the Sooner Sports Podcast. My name is Chris Plank. We call our Friday episode the tailgate to get you ready for a big weekend in Sooner Athletics. We've got regional coverage coming up from the Norman Regional as Oklahoma kicks things off against North Dakota State. Uh, And as some of you are consuming this podcast, Tulsa and Arkansas might be playing. We'll preview every team in the Norman Regional, including a sit-down with Missy Lombardi coming up later on in the program. Plus, plus, we have celebration time in golf. As a matter of fact, that's where we start today. The Oklahoma men's golf team advancing to the national championship as the Sooners finish in the top five of the Stanford Regional to advance. They finished fourth. Brad Dalkey won the individual championship, shooting a 12-under, 198. We are joined to kick off the tailgate by head coach Ryan Hibble. Coach, congratulations, but I know it was a bit of a challenge because while Brad played phenomenal, you still didn't get that consistent play from the rest of your crew this weekend, did you? Yeah, I mean, you know, Brad was phenomenal this week. One of the better performances that I've ever had since I've been the coach here, though, to be honest. Um, Abe Answer, who's now out on tour, kind of had this type of performance for us at a regional championship back in 2011 at Virginia Tech, and, and Brad was, you know, he's just dominant, and Fortunately, it happened uh, at the right time for us um, because, you know, the rest of our guys honestly didn't play very good. Mm. And so he coded us 
And uh, we, we did get a couple of good, really good solid rounds. Max McGreevy got had a really uh, good second round. And, and Grant Hirschman yesterday in the final round had a great round. So we had some key performances. But, but overall, Brad really did a great job for us. And, uh, we're going to have to figure out where some of these other guys are, are at, what, how we can get better here before we go to Nationals next week. Um, so hopefully we can we can do that. But overall, we got the job done, you know, and, yeah. and that's kind of what regionals is all about. Yeah, and I guess maybe I should phrase that question differently too because with having Grant have a nice final round and having a couple of guys piece together good rounds, Coach Hibble, does that give you even a little bit more confidence heading into Nationals because you know – that cast has an opportunity to be better than they were this past weekend and you still were able to advance? You know, I mean, you know, individually, this is by far the best group I've ever had. Wow. Um, because Max McGreevy has won twice, Grant Hirschman has won twice, and now Brad has won, uh, you know, once. And all of them have been really good wins. So I told them that last night in our team meeting about how you know, big of a deal it is to, to notice what what everyone has done individually. Even Blaine Hale has had a chance to win uh, in the fall time, and, and Riley Robinson has, has come on strong and, and been duking it out in the top five a couple different uh, events. So all five of these guys have had an opportunity to really be dynamic this year. And, you know, my obviously our goal is to see if we can match it all up at the right time, and, and that needs to happen next week. You know, I, I think for a lot of people – when they hear the name Brad Dalkey, they automatically think of the Masters and, and getting an opportunity to play in the U.S. Open coming up. But I've seen a guy, Coach Hibble, that has consistently progressed from a confidence perspective. It, maybe it's unfair to ask, but going to the Masters and the success that he'd had in Augusta right before playing in the Masters, has that been something that's kind of taken his confidence to another level? Well, yeah, I'll be honest with you. I think getting the Masters over and done with has been – wonders uh has wow. done wonders for him i mean he just emotionally um you know the, the internal pressures that us golfers put put on ourselves um you know the build-up has been huge for him and it was almost to me uh don't get me wrong he was really looking forward to do to playing the masters and the whole deal but i've seen him be a different guy since he's been back from the masters if that makes sense it's like he's kind of back just being a college guy um and and to me his game is has opened up that much more because of it uh he doesn't have he's not thinking about what other people might be thinking about his game or, or how they're going to judge him uh when he goes to the masters and all that kind of good stuff so i i think it's done wonders for him just kind of getting beyond that oh, that's a great point and I hadn't even thought of that, you know. You, and then suddenly you have all these friends that you forgot or never knew you had that are, hey, I'm going to go yeah. to the Masters and watch you play. Uh, but with that, yeah, you know, and and, and and for a guy like Brad, his expectations are really high. And, yeah. and you know, he he legitimately was thinking that he was going to go try and compete for the Masters. And you know, when you have that build up in your in your head, uh, that's a lot of pressure. And and he's been thinking about it since about I don't know end of August wow. last year when wow. <laughs> whenever he knew he was going so it's it, you know it's you can't argue with stats and you know Brad has not played very good for us at all this year outside of the fact that this last month ever since the Masters he's been playing that that much better now I think he gained some confidence in past week because he realized that his game wasn't that far off and and had a good time doing it but I just think a lot of it is just the internal pressure. Uh, of him coming in here trying to be a great college player. I mean, he finished in top 10 of the Maxwell the next week after uh, the Masters. 
he, he was leading the Big 12 championship up until the final round, but still, uh, you know, got in the top 10 there. And then we go on to regionals and, and he just dominated. So for me, it's, you know, the, the proof is in the pudding and, and hopefully he's just going to keep running as fast as he can go here this, uh, this next week and, and on into the summertime and, and hopefully, you know, that much more into next year because, I mean, he's the type of guy that gets then he can really dominate college golf if he gets it going. You know, it, it was interesting. Last week on the show, we had Grant Hirschman on with us, and we were I, – I, I guess you can laugh now, looking back at the story, the tournament he went out in Vegas when the guy nearly <laughs> nearly broke his arm wrecking on the golf cart. Yeah. But for a guy like Grant, and it just – I mean, I, from what he said and from what I've read, it seems like that struggle has always been with a flat stick with his putter. How, how would you kind of – summarize his performance this week in Coach Hibble and where he can improve next week to possibly help this team win a championship? Uh, you're talking about Grant, Yes, right? sir. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, so Her- Hirschman, we call him Hirsch. Okay. Uh, he's, he's one of the best ball strikers I've ever had. I mean, he just strikes it uh, in play for the most part off the D-box every day. Really good iron player. And, yeah, his putter does let him down at times, but – let me tell you, I walked with him yesterday in the final round, and he was phenomenal. Uh, we we kind of worked with his, uh, his setup a little bit before the final round. He got some things figured out and just fell that much better, and, and I thought he putted great. So he goes through stretches where his putter is good, and that's when he performed well. And if we can just get that a little bit more consistent, I think he's going to be tough to beat because he does uh, put himself in great spots around a golf course pretty much day in, day out. What does it say about his leadership coach when you made him a captain uh, before his senior season? And I see this a lot with Coach Gasso in softball because, you know, I always look at captains as, oh, it's a senior, it's a four-year guy. But here's Grant who was – well, I think he was in a captain his sophomore year. What, what does it say about his leadership? No, well, you know, Hirsch does everything right. Um, and and he, he knows that. I know that. The guys around him know that. You know, he's a three-five student. Um, he, he works hard. He does everything that we ask of him. And that's the kind of leadership that, that we're looking for. And that's the type of guys that we can continue to, to grow our program off of. So, I mean, Grant has been a great asset for us in his third year. He's an All-American his first year. Didn't play as great last year, but still had a nice, solid year. And this year, I'm hoping he finishes this thing off uh, with a bang because he's, his game has really developed, in my opinion, in the last year to year and a half. Tell me a little bit more about Max. And obviously, it's always tough to – say goodbye to somebody as a senior I know he wants to go out with the championship and like you said stats don't lie you wanted to see everyone perform better but in Max McGreevy I mean this is a guy Coach Hibble that's meant a lot to this program over the last four years hasn't he yeah he really has we talked about it this past week about not letting uh, our senior go out uh, without having an opportunity to go prove himself at the national championship you know so we we're playing for Max this week make sure there were getting through and fighting through, and we'll be doing the same thing again next week. Um, you know, we he's been a, a huge asset for us in our program over 40 years, uh, heavy contributor, uh, going to be hopefully an academic All-American this year as well. I mean, you know, he's just a, a great guy to have on our golf team. He's, he's kind of like my spark plug uh, with his attitude. He's really He's got a fiery personality. Uh, kind of energizes everybody, kind of gets up underneath your skin at times, but it's a good thing. Uh, you know, it, it makes our team dynamic uh, be, be the way it should be, and that's super competitive, and that's the way I like it. So, 
Uh, we're going to hate to, to to see him go, no doubt about it. Uh, but hopefully, again, we got one more week, and, and yeah. uh, there'd be nothing better than to to you know end this thing for him on a on a championship level. Have you played up at Rich Harvest Farms before? What can we expect up in uh, Sugar Grove, Illinois, as far as a course? Yeah, I haven't been there, but uh, McGreevy and Hertzman both have been there. They played the Western Amateur there a couple of years ago. We kind of were talking through about you know with the golf course last night and. Uh, seems like just a really good, tough golf course. You know, northern golf course, the greens will be quick. The rough will probably be high. Uh, you know, it's going to be on the golf channel, so anybody that, you know, hopefully we're making it far enough where we're going to be on the on, on television, you know, and, and you guys can, can tune in and, and watch Sooners play, play some golf. But uh, I think it's just going to be a good, tough test of golf is what I've basically been told. That's awesome. Hey, speaking of TV, what'd you think of the Maxwell being televised? I loved it. I was glued to it. I love. I mean, I love the format of the Maxwell to begin with. But how'd you think overall the first televised golf event for a uh, for Sooner Golf went? Well, I, you know, we're basically the only tournament outside of the National Championship that has that does that. So I thought it went over well for the first year. Obviously, we need to tweak uh, some of the coverage and, and how we're doing things. But it, you know, if they're willing to make the commitment. I think it's going to be great moving forward, and, and we can just keep making it better. But I think uh, I think overall it's really well. I'm looking forward to kind of seeing the numbers and seeing if uh, folks are actually tuned in. And that kind of gets me excited, understanding if people are actually tuned in. And, and then two other quick ones, and I'll let you run. Let's talk about this time of year, because obviously it's championship time for you. It's championship time for softball and baseball. And there's always this challenge with spring sports, or at least your spring season, Coach Hibble, because there is a part of your season that's played during finals and during dead week. But the benefit, I would have to imagine, is, is kind of high, where if you continue to progress, it's at a time when the only focus is golf, as far as your team is concerned. What's these last few weeks or this last week been like when that focus is just on uh, the golf course and on your game? No, this is by far the best time in college golf. For us, you know, we're not like Stanford. We're not on the quarter system. They still go to school all the way through June. Wow. You know, we're, we, 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 our guys got done last week, so a huge relief off of them getting finals out of the way last week, going out to regionals, we advance. Now we're just able to go play golf every day and get excited about uh, what the national championship that our guys having to worry about getting tests. Right, so yeah, uh, and people don't understand how difficult that really is for our guys. We miss a lot of class, um, so the, the pressure again, I think, is off, and they can just go totally concentrate on their golf game and, and try to figure out how to shoot low numbers possible. And we're done with renovations at Jimmy Austin, and it looks phenomenal. But we're just getting started on your short course, Coach Hibble. How's that coming along, and how excited are you from a facilities perspective about the future for Sooner Golf? Well, you know, I've been working on this for like seven years, wow. so obviously I'm really excited <laughs> to, <laughs> to get this deal done. And um, Mr. Jerry Ransom uh, down out of Fort Worth was so generous in his gift uh, to, to allow us to be able to do this. It's going to be called the Ransom Short Course, and it's going to be for our guys and our girls. We're going to have a lot of uh, great opportunity for our kids to get better. Um, just, you know, we already have a great facility, but this is going to kind of put us over the top, and, and uh, we're excited about it. Renovate. I mean, the, you know, the changes are, are coming along rapidly. I, I would expect us to be on it uh, by by late late fall time. So we're excited, Coach. Awesome. I know. Uh, I know it's been a whirlwind weekend, but congratulations and best of luck next week. Uh, the chase for national championship. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me on.
Man, what an awesome coach. What an awesome man. What an, what an awesome golfer. Thanks to Ryan Hibble for joining us on the Sooner Sports Podcast. The coach hadn't slept. They, they flew back in on a red eye and basically said, man, I'll do whatever you need whenever you want me to come on. So we called him up. He came on the podcast with us. Instant reaction from the Sooners advancing to the NCAA championship, finishing in fourth place at the Stanford Regional. We talked about Brad Dahlke. He takes on the individual championship with a 12-under. So the championship gets underway May 26th. That's next Friday at Rich Harvest Farms in Sugar Grove, Illinois, We'll have complete coverage for you right here at Soonersports.com on the Sooner Sports Podcast, and hopefully, if the Sooners stick around long enough, advancing in uh, into Golf Channel coverage as well, too. So some pretty cool stuff. From a championship to a champion trying to repeat, Sooner Softball is getting set to host a regional yet again. And as we prepared, I had a chance on the show Sooner Sports Spotlight to sit down with associate head coach and Sooner pitching coach Missy Lombardi and started by asking coach how she felt about where this team is right now. I, I think our team is in a really good place. Uh, I think we would all look back and basically how we started at the beginning of the year and um, and then you could just see us slowly settle in as the year went on and um, I think we did a great job in the Big 12 in uh, accomplishing what we wanted to accomplish was winning the Big 12 conference and then just this past weekend getting a, a tournament championship. So Fifth tournament championship. No team has uh, ever won that many championships. Six straight Big 12 titles. But in looking back, you know, for, for those of us that are in the, the media or obviously try to find storylines, we always want to find a moment. So was there a moment this season where you kind of thought things clicked a little bit? I, I looked at the Arizona game for Paige, and even though it was mm -hmm. a loss, to see the way she performed there, it kind of thought, okay, here we go. But is, is there a moment for you where things kind of clicked with this team this year? I, I think that was a big moment for us, and it was tough because we didn't, it didn't end up the way we wanted it to. But for us, it always seems like um, the end of preseason and then going into the Big 12. Something about going mm. into the Big 12 you, is when I think you start to see us click. Things start to um, – we just start to get, in, get things in order and um, all cylinders start to show up. So mm. we talk a lot about if we can have great offense, great defense, and great pitching – you know, if we can have two of the three, we're going to do a lot. But there was times in the beginning of the year where maybe we just had one of the three and we were just getting by or, or not getting the outcomes that we wanted. And I think you're starting to see the three uh, show up. I probably unfairly, in saying associate head coach, left out a very important role, the pitching coach for the Oklahoma Sooners. <laughs> and you can't help but look ahead without looking back on the championship run last year and what Paige Parker accomplished. Mm -hmm. I mean, a uh, pretty phenomenal trend that she started last year in the regional, and then it just never stopped in the Super Regional onto the Women's College World Series. Yes, we kind of laugh this year because it's obviously a little different where last year, this year we look at matchups and who's the best matchup. Mm -hmm. And last year it was just, Paige, you got the ball. Oh, Paige, by the way, you got the ball. <laughs> and you got the ball. And you got the ball. Um, so this year it's been pretty cool to actually factor in matchups and who would be the best arm where last year she just, she was the one. And and she embraced it. She yeah. she um, pitched for our team, and she just wanted to be the best she could be, and just and get us a W. And I thought she did a great job last year. The only postseason game she didn't pitch was the one game we lost against Auburn in Game Two mm -hmm. of the Women's College World Series, and came back and threw a gym in Game Three. But you mentioned 
matchups this year. You have a staff. Coach Gasso got mad when I used the term giddy to describe how uh, you guys feel about a staff. I had to mm -hmm. tell him a giddy man. Um, but it's, it is an excitement level, isn't it, to say, okay, it's not just about Paige go out. You've got to get a seven innings. You can look at the matchups with Paige Lowry. Look at the matchups with even a Mariah Lopez, too, with the way she's thrown. For sure, for sure. And it's, it's exciting to have actual matchups um, because it, it instead of just constantly going to one arm over and over, it allows you to look and just ultimately who is the best matchup. I mean, if we're facing a, a team that um, maybe their entire lineup is all right-handed, then Mariah um, Lopez would be the matchup. If we're facing a team, you know, this past weekend, our championship game against Oklahoma State, the majority of their team were all left-handers. So to go to Paige Parker and then to Paige Lowry, to, to us, those were the better, that was the best matchup. You brought up Paige Lowry, the transfer from Missouri. She actually led Missouri to the uh, Super Regionals last year. But she's taken on a little bit of a different role with this team, mm -hmm. hasn't she? She set the single season save record. Now, granted, I think it was four. So <laughs> she's yeah. got six or seven right now. Mm -hmm. But can you kind of take us through what that mindset is whenever you kind of basically become a closer for a team and she's really been stellar out of the pen. Um, yeah, she's she's been great. I, and I, I actually I think that's in a, a role that she embraces. Yeah. I, your mindset as a closer definitely has to be different than a mind, the mindset of, of a starter. And um, she has that mindset and she embraces it. and. You know, we'll be in a tough jam and we'll call her name and she's ready to come in and get it done. But I always tell our pitchers, probably one of my favorite things to share with them is anytime one pitcher comes in, one pitcher has started and has gotten herself into a little bit of a jam, mm -hmm. I love seeing the next pitcher come in, whether it's Paige Lowry, Paige Parker, Mariah, um, our other two freshmen, whoever it is coming in, because you can tell they're coming in to get the starter out. Like it's important that they get that done for the starter. And they get it done for each other. It's really been cool to watch Paige Lowry, too, because she has developed. You know, there was some maybe, I don't want to say control struggles, but she had a couple of issues early, and she is just on it right now. Speaking of on it, Mariah Lopez has thrown real well. You mm -hmm. mentioned the other two freshmen. We've seen Nicole Mendez a little bit more yeah. recently as mm -hmm. well, too. Is that a potential matchup we could see throughout the postseason? Definitely. She does, a, she does a great job. I mean, Nicole Mendez is just so athletic. She's, you know, you're calling her in from the outfield every time she steps on the mound. But um, I think she does a great job of coming in and working ahead, working ahead, throwing strikes, changing speeds um, right from the start, which I think is important. So, I mean, I look at her lots of times as a middle relief type pitcher that will come in in the middle innings and give us a couple innings or just really at the particular time give us what we need and, and get it done. So, it's big, been great. Big weekend, a back to the future weekend because it's the exact same regional that we saw in, what was it, 09? Mm -hmm. North Dakota State is here, Arkansas and Tulsa. Uh, obviously, the focus is on one game at a time, North Dakota State, but overall, you pretty challenging regional for you guys, isn't it? It's a tough regional. Every team, you know, every team that's in postseason, they're there for a reason. They, they've earned it. They've deserved it. They, they know how to play in postseason. So we, right now, are caught up with North Dakota State, and that's all we're caught up with. We've got to get through them, and then we'll worry about what's next. But right now, it's, it's getting that first win against North Dakota. Now, if there is one thing that's made some headlines, if you will, it has been the, I guess you can say, frustration with the way in which the selection committee handled several seedings heading into the softball tournament. I have, I have yelled and screamed and complained until I'm blue in the face over this. It's quite frustrating, borderline enraging. 
for those of us who follow softball, specifically with what happened with Minnesota. Minnesota is the number one ranked team in the country, and they're not even considered a national seed, nor are they hosting a regional. Coach Gasso was on the Sports Talk Network earlier this week, and while giving all credit to the opponents, voiced her frustration with the way this went down. It's it's a tough deal when you see and and not try. First of all, I want to preface by saying I'm not taking anything away from anyone, and I'm not sour grapes. I mean, we're ready to play. We're going to be ready to play no matter what you throw at us. Right. But I have a lot of questions. I have a lot of questions as to why an old Miss team who was RPI at 23 going into this weekend. They won the SEC tournament, and they did a great job with it. They went 23-12, to 12, which was shocking because we've spent the last eight weeks trying to move from 16 to 8, and right. we went on a great winning streak. Now, a lot has to do with the teams that you're playing, but we can't control our conference and the strength of you know who we're playing. Um I just honestly, I feel, and I've felt this many a times before, but especially your 2016 national mm-hmm. champions. I know that happened last year, but I feel a little disrespected. I feel our program is a little disrespected, especially the pairing in the super regional, I think is ridiculous. So um, whatever it is, it is. I feel for teams like Minnesota, which oh, was man. a travesty. <laughs> it is. Truly. Right. Truly is. Absolutely. And um, so there's teams like Minnesota, the OUs, uh, the Baylors, the Lafayettes, the Michigans, but maybe your conference isn't RPI, you know, super strong. But you go out and you play a tough schedule early, and it's almost like, you know, if you don't, you let's say we go out in February and mid-March and we play 12 teams that are in the top 25. It's almost like if you don't win those games, if you don't win 80% of them, you're going to get hammered. You're going to get, you're not going to be shown any mercy at all, even if you go on a great winning streak doesn't matter what your score was the fact that you lost you lost um they don't i don't know that they take into account that you're playing in february it's the first weekend of your season we're such a different team right now but it's still gets held against you whereas when you're in these other power conferences you can win one out of three in a series and still move your way up so we're kind of stuck in this tough place to live right now um and it worked against James Madison, against Minnesota, you know, teams like that that have a bigger grip than I do. But um, I just I want to find out what goes on in that room. Um, I want to I want I'm it to you. be transparent. I want it right. to be videotaped. I want right. to know what they're taking into consideration. But to me, when you put OU a potential, and I'm really I'm not even looking. For past what we have this weekend because that is tough in itself i mean it's tulsa arkansas north dakota state is a very tough regional Um, but to put two teams that have played each other in one of the best national championship finals and to put them against each other in a super regional to me was more of a 
ratings yep. gimmick yep. than what makes sense. Absolutely. And uh, to me, it's just disrespectful to the hard work that we're putting in to do something like that. Now, I could be totally wrong, and I could never, they maybe didn't even ever consider that, but they should. And I don't know. So I, I don't know. I, we're going to come out, we're going to fight, and with a little bit of um, aggression behind it, because we do feel that our program was somewhat disrespected because we're not in the SEC. So we go on. We yep. go on. Now, there's more than just Oklahoma this weekend, and I thought this might be a cool thing to do on the spot, on the uh, podcast this week. I had a chance to catch up with a former Sooner assistant and the longtime head coach at Tulsa, Arkansas and Tulsa are playing as part of the Norman Regional along with North Dakota State. I had a chance to catch up with Arkansas coach and former Sooner graduate assistant Courtney Feifel to kind of get her perspective on the way in which this season went down for Arkansas. Hey, uh, for, c- congra- congratulations. I mean, getting Arkansas back to the NCAA tournament. Obviously, c- Courtney, you've had success at every stop. But what has it meant in this conference – to take over this program and get them back to what you kind of call the new normal, which is making the NCAA tournament. What's this process been like? Uh, you know, the process has been great. And I, and I give all the credit to our, our student athletes. They're, they're just so much fun to work with on a daily basis. And, and from the time we got here, they absolutely embraced us with open arms and we're ready and willing to do anything we ask them to do. And, and it's been a process, but from day one, we've gotten better every day. And and that's all our focus has ever been is okay. Let's just be better than the day we were, or than where than where we were the day before, and we'll keep moving in that direction. And when when you buy into that, things like NCAA births start to happen. And and we didn't set our sights on that. That wasn't our goal that we spoke about. It was just about competing in everything that we do. And and I think that we saw that in conference definitely. And and you know we had seven wins, but I think there was really only one game we really weren't in the whole conference schedule and it was just a huge progression from the year before and and I'm just so proud of this team it's just such a special group and um I'm just I'm just really excited they get to experience this and and familiarity too I guess now that we get to the actual Norman Regional itself well not just for you from being around Oklahoma before but from having played both the Sooners and Tulsa in fact you played Tulsa twice this year does that familiarity it does that basically give any advantage to either team or just just it does it just mean you guys have an easier way to kind of scout each other you know I think the familiarity balances itself out you know to be yeah. honest you know Tulsa knows just as much about us as we know about Tulsa Tulsa yeah. knows about Oklahoma and Oklahoma knows about Tulsa and so um there aren't really any secrets we know what everyone's got and it's really just going to be who wins that battle but I you know I'm glad that we're in the position that we're in and playing teams that we're comfortable with, playing in a stadium that we've played in, because when this is unfamiliar territory and playing in the postseason, it's familiar in the, in the way that we've been there and done that. Uh, it's a different stage, obviously. There's more stakes, but um, but it's it's just you know we played in front of senior fans. Our, we travel well, but so we have our fans. It's a short drive down the road, and so. There's a lot of things that make it familiar, even though it's a stage we're not used to playing on. Yeah, it was interesting. Uh, I, I do radio for, for OU, as I was telling you. And uh-huh. I, I think I can't remember if it was Savannah Long. Was Savannah here whenever you were at Oklahoma? Yeah, she okay. was 
She was calling the game when we were there. Yeah, and and she was. We, we were just talking about you. I mean, not in a bad way by any stretch of the imagination. And she had pointed okay. out. She goes when she was there as a grad assistant uh, or a student manager, whatever the term would be. She goes. She was not only the best catcher that was on the field she was still the best player that was on the field during those incredible teams that Oklahoma had in the early 2000s with that in mind does that help you or does that sometimes as a former great do you set that bar a little bit too high from what you expect for the student athletes you know the old Magic Johnson he was never a good coach because he was so good has that helped you relate a little bit or does it sometimes make you more frustrated as a coach well first of all I think Savannah's being a little generous (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> make sure we're all on the same page there. She's, she's been very generous. And that was, you know, I was still kind of young then. Yeah. So, um, you know, as we all just kind of progress through our coaching career, um, we just are so competitive. And we're used to um, how we were in that moment. And, and what we can do is um, relate to our to our student-athletes, absolutely. So we can relate to them. But, but we also have to relinquish a lot of control which is really hard for a lot of competitive athletes. So um, it's just finding that balance, you know, um, before I'm, I'm pregnant now. So before I was pregnant, I'd still catch in with our girls and I'm like, okay, just be, be nice to the old lady. But um, <laughs> it's also nice for them to see that we can do it. Right. And, Good point. and so I, I think it's, it's nice for them to see that we can do it. Not that we need more credibility, but it's, it's nice for us to step in, have a different point of view. And, and when we're running in the, running the drill and I'm back there catching, I can see more of how they're seeing things, and so I can help them through that. Now, I haven't had that luxury since, you know, this fall, but um, it's, it's just nice for them to see us in that role and for us to be in that role and see see them on the same playing field, if that makes sense. No, absolutely, it does. Can you, again, this is about Arkansas, and this is about your trip to the regional, but I want to ask one more question about Oklahoma and your okay. time here. What kind of influence has Coach Gasso, and in that, you know, obviously Coach Lombardi was here as well, what kind of influence have they had in developing you as the coach you are today? Um, well, I give them all the credit, to, to be completely honest and completely blunt. You know, when I, when I went to work at Oklahoma, I really wasn't sure what I wanted to do. I just wanted to work with people, and from day one, Coach Gasso was just like, okay, just stay open to coaching, and you know, they, they just, like, took me in from day one and just, like, threw me in and, and trusted me more than anything. And I think that was the big thing is when Missy went out with having Gianni, they trusted me to take over her role for a month. She, you know, she's a superstar. She wasn't out that long. But um, just to trust me in that role. And, and they don't give that out easily. And so just for them to trust me, for us to be very hands-on and work together, I learned so much from them. And I'm fortunate enough to still learn from them you know obviously we're opponents and we're in opposite dugouts but they're two people that I I absolutely rely on when when I need something or and I and I hope that they do that with me too but um they're the ones that have changed my course they're the ones that um showed me what coaching really is and how you can relate to play, players how you can make a difference in their lives and how you can bring out the most of them and get not only get them ready to compete at a high level, but get them ready to compete in the real world. And um, so I give them all the credit in in setting my course uh, for my life and coaching and just setting a really great standard for the impact you can have as a coach. Wow, that's great stuff. Uh, Courtney Diefel, head coach at Arkansas, is joining us on the show. 
from an, an appearance perspective, it looks like you have depth on your staff. From an innings perspective, it looks like it's the Autumn Storms show. Coach, where where are you with your staff right now? Is it obviously Autumn's the ace, but, I mean, do you feel like you have that depth necessary for the postseason? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, Autumn's worked herself into being our number one, but she hasn't been the end-all, be-all for yeah. Arkansas softball, which is great. And we've been able to rely on – um, a few other arms, which is great, and just and how and how we're using them. They all have different roles. They understand too that okay, you know, Katie Warwick might be used in a two or three inning spurt, and then we're going to go someone someone else. And and it two complements the others and and the right balance in that. But um, I think more than anything, they just support one another and just want to have each other's back as much as they can. So Autumn has definitely been our workhorse, but we've seen Caroline Hedgecock, Hedgecock step up and have some really big outings for us. And Grace Mole, who's seeing herself in a different role, um, she's, you know, she's done really well for us, too, and, and having some really productive innings and also just taking care of our staff. So um, I, I, I love our staff. I, I think that they're all very different. They complement each other. And more than anything, they're all really competitive. And, and that's ultimately what you need at this point of the year. Yeah, I think Grace Mall was the one who threw an absolute uh... – just a, a brilliant game against us last year. Uh, and let, let's look back even to this year. It was a 4-2 game. That was a great game. When I look at the lineup, and again, I, I haven't followed this as closely as, as I want to, but, Coach, you have six players that have started every single game. And I, I don't know if you look at consistency being a key, but does that say something to you about the program? I mean, and again, injuries happen. But when you have six players that have started every single game, I mean, that's a pretty big deal, isn't it? Uh, yeah, absolutely, and and they've earned it every single day, and and that's the big thing. And it's you know they have they have other players that are absolutely knocking, but those players are making them better every day. And I think that's the biggest thing when when um, you're looking at a team and having a role and, and making each other better. As our you know their teammates are making them better, but there's something to be said. I mean, for us and, and our staff, we we really believe in consistency and just letting them get comfortable and and uh, comfortable working together, comfortable in how they're used in the lineup. And um, so we we are on the side of just staying consistent and, and knowing so they know what to expect as, as we run everything in our program. Two quick ones, and I'll let you go. First, okay. uh, you, you allow the celebration, right? You're happy that you got in. But is it like a 24-hour rule? Because you got back to a place where this program hadn't been for a while. So you want that good feeling. But when do you cut it off and say, okay, it's more than just being here. It's time for us to go win games. Oh, I mean, we enjoyed the moment on, on Sunday night. We enjoyed seeing our name up there. <laughs> we, and, um, it was just really exciting just to see the emotion on their face and the excitement. And, you know, they had some time on Monday, and, and come Tuesday morning, it's time to go to work and let's figure out how we're going to beat Tulsa more than anything. We're not looking at the whole regional. We're looking at Tulsa. And, you know, but there's also we're the underdog in this regional. You know, there's no pressure on us. And, and um, kind of like being in that role this year, we've, we've done well in it. So for them, it's like, okay, we're in. That was the big, you know, weight on our shoulders. That's what everybody wanted. We're in. Okay, you know what? Now the pressure's off. Let's just go play our game. Let's, you know, go attack Tulsa and, you know, just put it all out there. And, and maybe we and maybe we don't, but we're not going to have any regrets when we go out there this weekend. And then a final thought. Ashley Diaz has been really hitting the ball well over the last seven games. A.J. Bellins, I think, has uh, driven in seven runs for you over the last seven games. What's going to be the key uh, to trying to get after Emily Watson come Saturday, uh, Friday morning against Tulsa? Um, really just trying to pass the back, back, 
back to your next teammate. You know, she's yeah. a dominant pitcher. She's proven that game, game in and game out throughout the season. So for us, it's going to be staying level-headed and staying competitive and just continuing to encourage each other. And, and it's going to look a little different than what we typically do. We, you know, we hit the ball out. That's kind of our game. But what we're going to, what we're going to need to do is manufacture some runs and take them where we can. If she's going to walk us, we'll take it. If she's going to hit us, we'll take it. And, and so just kind of just being gritty, digging in and doing it doesn't have to look pretty. We just have to figure out how to get it done. Boy, it's really cool to still hear that love, that appreciation, and that incredible perspective on what Coach Gasso and Coach Lombardi have meant to so many, so many in the coaching ranks. Thanks to Coach Feifel for joining us. That will be Arkansas and Tulsa at 11 a.m. And on the Tulsa side of things, we caught up with John Barkfell, the head coach at Tulsa. They came in here to Norman, played a doozy. It took uh, 10 innings before Oklahoma beat Tulsa 1-0. And obviously that was kind of a turning point for this Tulsa Golden Hurricane team. Well, I think that, you know, I knew going into the season that I wasn't sure for the first time I didn't have two experienced pitchers, you know, coming back. And so early on, you know, I, I wanted to make sure that I didn't overuse Emily. Um, and so, you know, probably I wanted her to be strong at the end of the year, not the beginning of the year. And so we didn't use her. And so as she got stronger, the more games, game action that she had, um, that helped out tremendously because she started to get uh, a dominant movement back and then she, she started to get more precise with her locations. And anytime you have a pitcher that sets the tone for your team, it just gives your entire team confidence. You know, it affects your defense, it affects your offense. And so you really got to give a lot of credit to um, her and stepping up in a dominant fashion. You know, she was, she was, she was pretty good to start with. <laughs> yeah. Um, but just, you know, was making some of those mistakes late in games that, you know, kind of gave us a little nervous play sometimes. You know, it's uh, it's pretty amazing to see how she's really found another level this year. Her ERA is under one. It's .96. She's 28-4. and four. She has 329 strikeouts, and opponents are hitting 167 against her. Uh, again, she, had, she looked good, but, I mean – at 20 and 13 heading into this season, Coach Barkfell, where did she find that extra level? When when did you see, oh, my goodness, she can develop into our dominant one? Well, I think coming into the year, I, you know, she showed some signs in certain games last year. It was just a matter of finding that consistency. Mm. Um, she, she too, hit Texas last year, wow. a good Texas ball club on their field. And so there were some other games where she just was dominant – but just not in a consistent manner. Maybe it was the fact that she knew everything was on her shoulders this year. But more importantly, you know, when we talked at the end of the year, I encouraged her to get in the best shape of her life, you know, because that's what it takes. Every time we've had an ace that the pitchers have gotten into the best shape of her life, she worked really hard through the summer, worked hard, um, keeping in shape. And then every year she's been able to find another pitch that she can throw in the zone and get some swings and misses on. And when you do that, um, you know, now now she's up to three, um, you know, and so every year she's added one. When you played Arkansas back on, uh, I, I think it was, what, early early April, was that, did, did, did some ESP kick in? Because you threw Emily for a couple of innings, and she was pretty dominant, only allowed one hit, and then you say, hey, we might see this team in the postseason. Obviously, I'm trying to be funny, Coach. But in, right. in, in all reality, was that just kind of planned to give her a couple of innings? I know you lost, but Emily Watson only pitched two innings. 
Yeah, it was planned. You know, one of the things that I knew that I had to do to to get through this type of season that we had in front of us was I needed to develop other pitchers. Yeah. And the only way you can develop them is give them game time. You know, we had come off of a bye weekend. And so, and we'd also lost our number two from being hit in the head with a line drive um, in Wichita State that previous Thursday. So I needed to get those other two pitchers some innings because I knew I was going to have to use them in conference play that weekend. And um, it was also, I believe it might have been uh, Easter weekend coming up, so that meant we were playing on Thursday. You know, and the conference game is going to take precedence over a non-conference game. So the combination of needing to get the other pitchers some pitching time and game action and then not, not throwing Emily a complete game and then turn around and need her to throw her two more complete games in, in conference play that weekend uh, went into that decision to split that game up. How is, how is Lexi doing? You know, I, I know that she's pitched since, she, but it, it, that, mm-hmm. that was a scary situation, Coach. Is she someone that's available to you, or have you had to be kind of careful with the way you've used her? Well, it just took her a while to come back, but yeah, she is available. Um, and Good. and every time she gets into game action, you know, she gets a little bit better. Good. Um, and so, she just you know uh, haven't she just doesn't have the innings under her belt, and so her, a stamina is going to be an issue. But and but we'll use her in short spurts. Uh, she is available for that. Yes. How about the consistency that you've been able to get from Maggie and Maddie with you in this lineup? You know, they've just been, you know, anchors for us, you know, in that lineup in terms of um, they've been there for three years. Um, they've been through big games. Um, but they just give you uh, those fundamental um, quality at-bats. Um, and when I say fundamental, I'm, I'm probably talking about entire play, you know, defensively as well as offensively. But they just have that experience of going up there and, and having a plan in the plate and then trying to make an execution on it. Uh, you know, Maggie's been, you know, just a, a stellar as far as making a solid contact, getting on base for us, setting the table for us. Um, and, you know, and then and Maddie, you know, she's, Obviously, no hitter ever comes through all the time. But you just know that when she's up there, she's just going to give you a fight in the box. That's awesome. Hey, re- real quick, before I let you run, Coach, and I appreciate all your patience okay. and coming on with us, Arkansas, what have you seen from the Razorbacks? We talked about having played them before, but Emily only pitched two, uh, two innings in that game and pitched well. What have you seen from the Razorbacks? What kind of challenge are you expecting on Friday morning? Well, just you know, a challenge from the standpoint that you know they're – there are a lot of dangerous hitters in their lineup, and so anytime that you make a mistake, there's several people that can that can hurt you and put a run up on the scoreboard. Um, their defense has improved, you know, as as from maybe some previous years. They got some experience now of playing in the SEC. One of the things that I'm telling the team is, don't expect what you saw back in the middle of the year <laughs> to be the Arkansas team of now. I said they've gone through an entire SEC schedule. You know that they're battle tested. They, you know that they've seen as good a pitching, you know, from that conference as anybody. And so, you know, we're we're not we're expecting them to be a, a different team, you know. And the same thing with us. Um, you know, we're a little bit different. We our lineups change, you know, in terms of where we've been. But uh, and then they you, they've got pitchers that you know can can make it awfully tough on you. And so. Um, we're not real sure which one they're going to throw because they've had a pitcher that had success against us in that second game. We, but then when you look at their number of innings, you can see that they clearly have an ace. So 
it would be interesting to see what they decide to do in, in terms of pitching-wise. Now, if you – thanks to Coach Barfell for joining us. Uh, North Dakota State and Oklahoma get underway at 2 o'clock on Friday. North Dakota State comes in with a losing record, but they beat Ole Miss earlier this year who went on and won the SEC tournament. Now, to wrap things up, we haven't talked anything about Bedlam baseball. We spent all of our first episode this week recapping the TCU series. So coming up next week, a complete recap of Bedlam as the Sooners get ready for the Big 12 tournament. If Oklahoma can win or even sweep the Bedlam series, there's a good chance they could keep Oklahoma State from making it to the Big 12 tournament. Wild. I appreciate everyone for downloading. Remember, there'll be some information coming uh, coming out over the next couple of weeks. We'll be changing to the uh, Learfield way of delivering the podcast. So if you subscribe through Soonersports.tv slash podcast, you just click subscribe on the player that's there on the page. Nothing will change for you, but we'll have all the details coming up about that adjustment that we'll slowly but surely transition to over the next couple of weeks. Until then, everyone have a great week. Hopefully, we'll be here next week on Monday talking about the Sooners advancing to a Super Regional. Jessica Cootie will be by with an in-depth, behind-the-scenes look at her feature on Melissa Lombardi, and we'll get you ready for the Big 12 Baseball Tournament and the golf team advancing to the National Championship. Until then, everyone have a great week, and Boomer Sooner, everybody. This has been the Sooner Sports Podcast. Make sure to get all the latest episodes online right now at Soonersports.tv slash podcast. And make sure to follow us on Twitter at OU on the air. Let's jump into Peppa's world of play. Look for spring flowers. Hunt for muddy puddles and bravely explore exciting places with Peppa play sets. Peppa Pig. Inspiring kid confidence.